Welcome to the Apologist Bookshelf. Gary Zacharias here. I'd like to uh, take another book off the shelf and uh, see what's in it. It's one I did before in an earlier podcast. It's by Eric Johnson and Sean McDowell. They're the general editors. They actually had several people uh, contributing. It's called Sharing the Good News with Mormons. And I like the subtitle, Practical Strategies for Getting the Conversation Started. I think that's so important instead of just... You hear a bunch of things the Mormons believe, and uh, we don't believe that because X, Y, Z. Okay, good luck. Go out there, and then what? What do you do when you're actually talking to Mormons? So this is chapter two. It's called Sharing the Reasons for God, the Evidential Approach. And Sean wrote this chapter. And he makes a really good point here, and I've heard this other places too. People, they get disillusioned with Mormonism and walk away. They don't then necessarily turn to uh, biblical Christianity. They don't turn to that. They, they end up agnostic or atheist. Why? Well, their conclusion is, hey, I've been told my whole life the LDS church was true. That is what religion is. And if it's not true, then probably nothing else is either. And they have not really considered the evidence available to show that God does exist. And uh, over and over again, Sean says you can look at websites about people who leave Mormonism and they feel very disillusioned and they just bail on all organized religion. So they don't separate the fabrications in Mormonism from creedal Christianity. They just go in and, and become atheists, agnostics, new age people. And so why does that happen? Well, he said, let's, let's examine that for just a minute. Mormons are taught to do what? They base their beliefs not on evidence. It's, it's not evidence at all. It's experience and it's blind faith. And he gives a reference in the Book of Mormon, Alma 32, verses 17 and 18, and it says this. I think it's worth uh, actually quoting this. I want you to hear this. Yea, there are many who do say, if thou wilt show unto us a sign from heaven, then we shall know of a surety, then we shall believe. Now I ask, is this faith? Behold, I say unto you, Nay, for if a man knoweth a thing, he hath no cause to believe, for he knoweth it. Okay, so just think about that. You know what it's saying? Faith involves believing something we don't know. Okay, so faith and knowledge are opposites for the Mormons. But that's not what the Bible says. It's a very different relationship between faith and reason. The Bible says faith is built on not just your your hopes, your desires, your, your blind trust. Faith is built on evidence. And there are several places that we see that. Sean uses Exodus 14, uh, 31. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Now this is after the plagues and after passing through the Red Sea. So it says Israel saw, in other words, they had evidence. And after the evidence, then they believed. So it was evidence first allowed them to have faith. And we see Jesus doing that too. Mark 2, verses 10 to 11, and John 20, verses 30 and 31. And uh, Sean points out, and I agree with him, he says, I suspect that the reason the Book of Mormon teaches this view of faith and knowledge is because they don't have any evidence for Mormonism. There's the old uh, saying, if you look at a Mormon Bible, go to the back and you're not going to find any maps. There's no external evidence that corroborates a belief. So it's got to be based on what? Not evidence. It'll be based on experience or feeling or blind faith. And then secondly, he says, why are they abandoning theism in general? They're not aware of any evidence for God, and especially in Christianity. They've just heard nothing but Mormonism. So he says, 
the evidence approach can be useful for ministering to practical Mormons and ex-Mormons. So this is just one chapter, and I want to get into the, the details here in just a second, but this is just one chapter out of many of different ways that you can approach Mormons. So this is the evidential way to approach. So let's start in here. He says, why do we do the evidential approach? Well, it's got a couple of goals. One, help those that are still Mormons to think more biblically about the relationship between evidence and faith. So if, if they ever do doubt the LDS Church sometime in the future, they're going to pause and consider the evidence before they just walk away from Christian theism. Secondly, this evidential, evidential approach can help you look like a thoughtful person as a Christian who cares about them so that maybe they'll turn to you if they're ever considering getting out of Mormonism. It says there are many ways to start an evidence-based conversation with a Mormon. This is the part I really like. Here comes the practical part. He said he's found a couple of questions are helpful. Sean says he likes to ask this. If you are not a Mormon, would you still believe in God? Why or why not? Now, he said that helps people become a little bit more objective when they talk about their beliefs and to consider them from a different angle. He says then sometimes he'll do a follow-up question. Have you ever considered the philosophical and scientific evidence for the existence of God? If so, what do you think about it? He said most Mormons are very unfamiliar with it, and they're going to feel unthreatened by the question because they already believe in God. Here's another question Sean says he likes to ask. If you're not a Mormon, would you still believe in the resurrection of Jesus? Why? Or why not? So it's encouraging them to probe deeper into the reasons for their beliefs. I think that's so good. Why do you believe what you believe? That's what apologetics is all about. And he says the evidential approach and dealing with ex-Mormons. He said, now what you're trying to do is have them separate false ideas about faith that they got when they were part of the LDS Church and to reconsider positive evidences for Christianity. He said for any ex-Mormon that wants to talk to him, he said, here's a good question. Even though you feel burned by the LDS Church, have you ever considered the positive evidence for creedal Christianity? And probably they haven't. And they may say, well, what do you mean, positive evidence? Then you just open up and go for it. He said maybe a follow-up question would be good to help them think about these assumptions they had taken on about religion when they were in the LDS Church. Here's a, here's a follow-up question. How has your experience in the LDS Church shaped the way you think about religious faith as a whole? Uh, I think that's a good question as well. And he makes a really good point here. He says, remember, uh, ex-Mormons are dealing with things that are raw and real and deep as they've been ripped away from their church. Uh, they felt like they had to, but they're probably leaving friends and family behind, and uh, they're, they're hurting. Now, he said, don't ignore or dismiss these real emotions. Before we get to the evidence, just we should be spending time and listening to their story and being a good friend. So I think that's important. That's uh, relational apologetics. He says, okay, if you're going to adopt the evidence approach, keep three things in mind. What are they? Here we go. First, keep the focus on the positive evidence for Christianity and try not criticizing Mormon doctrine or history. Because, you know, if you're a Mormon and you go after their faith, you're going after them. They see that as a personal attack. And so... Uh, said there may be a time and a place to criticize Joseph Smith and Mormonism, but be very, very careful when you take that on. So first thing you ought to do, keep three things in mind. One, focus on the positive for Christianity, not the negatives about Mormonism. Number two, ask questions. Just ask questions. They can be a non-threatening way to get good thoughts out there about uh, Christianity. And third, be kind and be generous. Yeah, amen.
uh, here's a primer on the evidence for God. He said, I want to lay out some positive, powerful evidence for faith, for, for the existence of God. He said he's found these, uh, one, two, three, four. He's found four arguments particularly helpful when he's been dealing with Mormons. So here we are. Four arguments for the evidence of God's existence. Number one, it's called the cosmological argument. Pretty simple. The universe had a beginning, and people are now agreeing with that in philosophy and in science. Okay, well, anything that comes into existence has to have a cause. So something outside of the universe had to bring the universe into existence. Greg Kokel often says a big bang requires a big banger, right? So it, the cause has to be outside of time and outside of space. It's got to be intelligent. It's got to be powerful. It's got to be personal. So that sounds like a beginner. It sounds like God, doesn't it? It said it, it, this argument could be really good with Mormons because it raises questions about their belief in this eternal succession of gods. I mean, it's an eternal regression in a sense. How did our God come about? He was once a man, but there was a God before him. There's a God before that one. There's a God before that one. It doesn't end. So that doesn't really uh, tie in very well with modern science. He says also the argument is good because it points to the existence of one eternal, timeless, powerful God who's worthy of worship, not a whole bunch of gods. Because Mormonism is polytheistic, isn't it? There's argument one, the cosmological argument. Here comes argument two, the design argument from DNA. So if you're saying the cosmological argument talks about God as the, the creator and the cause of the whole universe, when you look at DNA, that points to design within the universe. I mean, you just think about the cellular organization that's going on. Unbelievable. There are all sorts of really wonderful videos that you can look at to see what's happening on the cellular level and how humans are created by genetic information. Human DNA, he says, uh, has the information roughly of 8,000 books. So natural forces like just chance and necessity, chemical uh, reactions, that fails to explain how you get biological information. But we know minds can produce information. So it sounds like we have an author of life uh, involved in this. He says Mormons often like this argument because they already believe in an intelligent designer. And it helps them see that Despite what they've heard in their Mormon church, faith is not the opposite of knowledge. There are good reasons for faith in God. What else can you argue for as far as, far as evidence for God? So we got cosmological argument, the design argument from DNA. What about the moral argument? Sean says that's really powerful. It says we have objective moral values. How'd they come into existence? If there's no God, then all moral duties and moral values are just subjectives, whatever you want or whatever I think of. But we do know that there are objective moral values and duties. Like torturing babies for fun is wrong. Everybody buys into that, at least all reasonable people. So because there are moral values and duties that exist, God must also. So if you have moral laws, you need a moral lawgiver. And he said this can be really influential to Mormons because it's rooted in Scripture. Look at Romans 2, verses 14 to 15. And Mormons tend to care a lot about the moral behavior of individuals in society, and this resonates with them. And then you have, finally, the fourth argument that he said is very effective. So one more time, we've got the cosmological argument, the design argument from DNA, the moral argument, and then the argument for the resurrection of Jesus. And he does kind of the minimal approach, uh, minimal facts approach, like Gary Habermas has uh, made popular. So you start with things like the death of Jesus, the discovery of the empty tomb, 
the appearances of Jesus, the transformation of the disciples. You see, it put that together. And the best explanation for all of that is the resurrection of Jesus. He says that's powerful because it's based on how historians approach their task. It, it actually raises indirectly some troubling questions for the Mormon historical record. Uh, for example, there's a lot of external historical evidence from archaeology and extra-biblical writing uh, for the life and death of Jesus. Boy, no kidding. I just covered that the other day with a class at our church. We talked about Luke, for example, being such a careful historian and uh, all the evidences that he was an eyewitness to Paul's journeys. And, of course, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we can tie them in as eyewitnesses as well. But what about Mormonism? External evidence for their reliability in the Book of Mormon, it's lacking. There's nothing there. He says that argument also, the case for the resurrection, depends on reliability of the witnesses. These people who were, uh, went on to proclaim you know, the, the death and resurrection of Jesus, they went to their deaths for that, didn't they? But Jim Wallace says, he's the cold case detective, the former atheist, he said, you know, at the heart of people doing wrong things is either financial greed, sexual or relational desire, or pursuit of power. He said the disciples didn't get any of these. They sacrificed everything. And so the reliability of witnesses, we can trust them. He said the same cannot be said for Joseph Smith. So there we go. There are the four ways, four reasons we could say there's a God, the cosmological argument, the design argument from DNA, the moral argument, the argument for the resurrection of Jesus. So Sean ends the chapter by saying, of course, the goal of this approach is pretty modest. Just encourage practicing Mormons to examine the evidential roots of their faith and to discourage ex-Mormons from entirely abandoning theism and yet considering, on the other hand, the positive case for creedal Christianity. We, we want to plant seeds in the minds of current and former members of the church that might come to fruition later. After all, our job is just to be uh, faithful, right? God will take care of uh, nurturing these seeds here. So he says, if you're willing to lovingly engage people with the evidences of faith through questioning and with kindness, you might be amazed, he said, at how God can use you to minister to others. And once again, let me say that, that all we are called to do is to be faithful. God may not use us. It may be somebody else. It may be something they read. It may be something they listen to. But we just need to be faithful and to present the evidences that we see. So that's Sean's chapter on sharing the reasons for God. He calls it the evidence approach. And I think that's powerful. So again, Sean McDowell, a good author. He's been at our church. We've had a chance to talk and a good guy. Okay, well, thanks, and uh, talk to you later.